0: Hi, and welcome to uh, what we anticipate will be our final weekly edition of the Rider Rumblings podcast. Uh, not ever, but uh, for the 2022 season anyway, we'll certainly uh, uh, convene a podcast when there's uh, notable events, such as the Rough Riders, hiring an offensive coordinator, finding a quarterback, uh, ordering new shoelaces, whatever <laughs> is newsworthy around here. And as always, uh, my worthy constituent, Dr. Marie McCormick, will be on top of it. Uh, we are going to... Uh, Wrap up the Rough Rider, wrap up, pardon me, the the, the 2022 CFL season, talking about the Grey Cup. But uh, being that this is primarily a Rough Rider podcast and not a Bombers podcast or an Argo podcast, uh, I think we'd, uh, I think we would be, uh, we should best address some of the issues swirling around the team as they enter, officially enter uh, this offseason. They need an offensive coordinator at some point, they'll need a quarterback. They need an offensive coaching staff, save for Kelly Jeffrey. Uh, Murr, what's your read on it?
1: Just before we jump into this, Rob, I, I was out at Ryderville on Friday night, and I want to thank all the people that took time to thank us and compliment us on Rider Rumblings. I didn't get a chance to tell you this, Rob. Oh, but I had many people coming up saying, "As first off, they say my voice is recognizable, and you got the face for Ryder Rumblings, so we got a mix there." But were there you, was were so you many, buying them free beverages in return I, for these compliments, or
0: was this I, a, was I was entirely just unsolicited? Amazed.
1: I was walking along, and there was this one scary-looking group of guys. And the guy yells out, Murray, and he comes over and he gets, tells tells me how much they enjoy Rider Rumblings. And, you know, they like our way. We have a little fun, a little banter. We provide information. We provide background on the riders they don't have. And it was just so cool to have that because we live in a, a Rider Rumblings bubble, I think, Rob. We just do our jobs and we move on. But it was, I just want to make sure we thank them. And I'm on your behalf too. And I'm I'm sort of ambushing you with this. But I just remembered that the other day that how many people had talked to me about Rider Rumblings. And it was such a, Amazing experience, and it's just kind of nice to be appreciated. Speaking yeah. of appreciation, we do appreciate
0: the people who have who've, who've, who've watched us so faithfully over the yeah. course of the season, which hasn't always been an, an enjoyable season to follow. So, thank you exactly. for me as well. So,
1: and is the off season going to be any more enjoyable to follow? Like, it'll be more interesting. It's going
0: to be more after interesting after this, <laughs> this uh, loss, after loss, after loss, after loss, and after just the utter hopelessness that seemed to to hover over the franchise since about a lot of August and certainly after they lost to Edmonton in in mid-September. Now I think it gets interesting. Now there's some things to to follow that are really going to be worthwhile as opposed to documenting football games that the Rough Riders are destined to lose and uh, and and then writing about the mi- most minute mathematical possibilities of them actually making the playoffs. So now I think we're looking at the construction or reconstruction of a football team and some important components being added to it. And that's to me infinitely more interesting and probably constructive than whatever happened over the final two months of the 2022 season. And they can't afford to lose this off season.
1: No, this is you know I know there's no great Cup here. That's on moved on to Hamilton and Vancouver and da 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 da. But they've got to do something to regain the trust and maybe gain the respect of Rider Nation. Not saying that people I saw in Riderville and whatnot, people still love the Riders, but they're they're very concerned about the direction they're headed. And, boy, you know, you I think you, we've, we've talked about it so much. The buzz was about who's going to be the OC, the offensive coordinator. The buzz about who's going to be the quarterback. The buzz is about what's a, what are these two guys, what a Jeremy O'Day and uh, Craig Dickinson, going to do with one-year contracts? So this is this is a lot of stuff. How they're going to get better offensive linemen? How they're going to boost the receiving core? Core? We see that uh, Keon Schaefer Baker's already started some workouts with America with uh, NFL teams, according to Three Down Nation. So, you know, we'll see what happens to him, when they their arguably their best receiver in 2022. So, you know, the the big question is, I guess, to start off, and I think we both listened to uh, Craig Dickinson on Sports Cage last night that he's kind of outlined his plans. He's going to spend the next week or so interviewing some some guys as he's asking receive him permission for kahari jones uh i think mark Mueller. i'm not sure if he's received permission for i don't have to permission for paul Lapolis. i did see him at the uh canadian football hall of fame Look, technically in, he's
0: still under contract to uh, the red yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true so. but i
1: saw him at the canadian football hall of fame induction ceremonies on sunday morning and i I said, good to see him. Am I going to see even more of you? Or he kind of gave me a, a bit of a look. So I, I think he's been – Paul at has been hearing that question a lot the last little while. So it's kind of a neat reaction. There's uh, Kelly Jeffrey, who's in there, who's uh, kind of came out of the middle of – come out of nowhere. Like people don't – we don't really have a relationship with the coaches anymore. We don't really get to know them for some reason. It just sort of – since COVID, we've kind of spread apart. But that one kind of surprised me. And then I look back and he was the head Probably coach. came out of nowhere. I think it was amount Mount um, – Oh, it Mont Allison. Allison yeah he was the head coach there he's a special teams coach and maybe he has the opportunity and I kind of think the running game for the most part was probably the best game, part of the rider game if you look at what Jamal Morrow did in Frankie Hickson and even when uh, Keenan LaFrance came in before he got hurt so maybe there's something here with promoting from within and giving a young guy a chance that we've we've always sort of uh talked about so Rob you know you know they're going to have to hire an OC first. That's the first thing that's going to have to happen because, and then all the other pieces come in there.
0: Uh, get Corey to... Jones. Get Mark Mueller. Get one of those two. Yeah. I think. According... I doubt that Paul Lapolis is going to to come here, but I think that's a call that needs to be made. I uh, I think you need. I think they need an offensive coordinator who is going to help them create a bit of a buzz too. I think there is got got to be a bit of a. Uh, a public relations element to this. But didn't Jason Moss sure. create a buzz? I'm sure Jason Moss created a buzz when they hired him. I, but I don't, I, I, there were, I recall it was, it was the morning, it was a Friday morning and, uh, mm-hmm. in early December of twenty twenty nineteen, And I, the feedback I got at the time was a lot more, oh no than, oh yeah.
1: Okay, well, I, I should remember hearing more. The, the, yeah. People
0: remembered the, the the volcanic Jason Moss that they saw as, as the head coach of Edmonton. And uh, and uh, there was a lot of trepidation about that right at the time. And uh, it, cre- it cre- certainly created a discussion. I'm not sure it created the kind of positive buzz yeah. that the franchise, that the team was craving, even though uh, I'm sure there, there were a lot of people who really weren't enamored of Stephen McAdoo. But I don't think that uh, people at the time necessarily, by and large, subscribed to the notion that Jason Moss was an improvement over Stephen McAdoo, and, and the, the results certainly don't bear that out. That's a
1: good point. The results don't bear it out. I, I remember thinking that Jason Moss at the time, as the OC, he wasn't going to have that that bombastic style on the sidelines. He's not in charge of everything. He's in charge of his own little world, making sure the quarterbacks, and we didn't see any blowouts from other than a, little, a couple of little There's discussions. a little frostiness, a little, one night in but Calgary, but... And that happens. You know, That it's not like it's not like what the Argos went through this season when you think back to all the fights on the sidelines. And, yeah, maybe and that's, that's
0: a formula one might should emulate. Be. I know. We'll,
1: we'll talk about that during the Great Cup. But I thought that was the battling Argos come out on top in the Great Cup. No one would have predicted that one. Anyway, uh, back to the offense coordinator. So Craig, I understand, is going to be interviewing for the next week or so. Guy's are going to be in and out. And then in a couple of weeks, he's going to look and make a decision Mid December ish, I think, is what he kind of he leaned towards. You may happen sooner, it may happen later, but you got to jump when the iron's hot. If you have, if you have Kahari Jones in your office and you're reading what he's doing, you're going, "No, oh, some, I think we can live with that." You got to hire
0: him now because there's got to be the Red Blacks
1: might be looking for another. Or guy if Mark
0: that, if Mark Mueller wants okay. to come here, you yeah. get him so quickly you don't let let him uh, get on a plane without. Uh, if there's interest there, you sign him. Like you do that instantly. Rob, can and, I ask
1: you, I know he has no experience as an OC, and I know I'm gonna throw maybe a little devil's advocate here though. Shouldn't that be he he's got so entrenched with the Stampeders, Peters, isn't it a better way for him to get that experience with them rather than coming to a new team?
0: No, I don't think so. I, I think Mark Mueller has, has certainly paid his dues. He's he's widely respected. I think there's there's a there's a great tie-in here. I don't think it's going to happen because you you talked about the situation he's in with, with Calgary and that he can afford to be choosy. And I'm not sure if, the, if you can afford to be choosy, this is a situation you jump into with a lame duck head coach and a lame duck GM or a potential lame duck head coach and lame duck lame duck GM with one year remaining on their contracts. Uh, I think you need to, the convention around here at least has been that, that uh, offensive coordinators, Receive or or coordinators in general receive multi-year contracts, and there would not be any contractual harmony if, yeah. you, if suddenly your offensive coordinator has more tar- more term on the contract than your head coach or GM. And uh, I think if you're if you're coming here too, you have to gamble that Jeremy O'Day is going to improve the offensive line at this juncture of the offensive of the, of the offseason. You just don't know, and you don't know what you're going to have for quarterback. So if there's if there is a time for Mark Mueller to leave the the a pretty secure situation, which is difficult to find in pro football in Calgary. I don't think this is it, but if he is interested, if he is tempted, I think you get that done. Uh, And you, then you are you are also, I think looking out for the, for the future of the franchise by bringing in one of the great uh, young coaching uh, prospects, Uh, failing that. Then I think, uh, uh, I think there's a very compelling uh, case to be made for Kahari Jones. He's done it yeah which which is you know f- further to your point you know that you know what you're getting with kahari jones he he knows this community um and uh and he likes it here he likes it he, here he lives always in Dallas. so uh, if you if you can get one of those a listers if if they are tempted to bite, I think you make sure you've got that locked down before they get on the plane and leave and uh uh, I'd, I'd be I'd be totally comfortable with Mark Mueller. I think that'd be a coup for them. I think Kahari Jones would be a great hiring for them. I'm oh. just not sure that the that the the contractual situation here is such that it will be sufficiently tempting for one of the choice candidates. And if I'm wrong, I will certainly write that. He's also got the best handshake in sports, eh?
1: <laughs> Doesn't he, know?
0: Mark Mueller? Kahari or yeah, Mar- Mark? Or Mark, yeah. Uh, he, he, he learned it. that from Ronnie, right? He, he, yeah. he, and he yes, learned sir? that from Danny McManus. He is a m- he is, he, uh, he was raised by, uh, or not raised, but, you know, um, certainly mentored by, by two of the best people that you could hope to be mentored by. And Mark Mueller had that handshake when he was playing minor football <laughs> in grade nine, yeah. the first time I interviewed him. So, uh, That's crazy. that would, that would be a wonderful story. And I think it would be a great fit, uh, My- considering the Mueller ties to the, to Regina, to Sheldon, to the, to the university of Regina Rams, everything that'd be perfect. But, uh. Is this the time? I'm nice. just not sure it's, it's the best time for Mark Mueller to make that move. I think he can, he can wait. And, you know, Paul Lapelise is in that situation too where he can wait. He's got a year left on his contract with the Ottawa Redblacks. He could always go to TSN and… Uh, yeah, and he knocked and, it out and, of the park on TSN. Oh, and he, you knew he would. So, hmm. um, again, I think, I think it's Mueller, Lapalise, and Kahari Jones. If, if those, those, are the, those are the best three out there. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that 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 they're going they're going to get either of or either of them, any of them uh given the contractual situation and they don't know who the who the quarterback's going to be and they don't know uh if the offensive line's going to be any good.
1: So why would you
0: why would you dive in now?
1: Craig's mentioned that there is some urgency in this. You know, I think I think I heard it last night or maybe I heard it in one of his other interviews that he knows they got to move quickly. You know, just because of the other teams, so Maybe he's got, he's already got his list and he's already got what he might like. He probably looks at like he's seen what he likes from what he doesn't like from him and we'll have an OC again sooner than later. And then it goes on to the offensive line coach, which is up to wherever they get. I it was funny, I heard so many guys this in during ride of hanging around the stuff, offensive linemen, that really liked Steven Sorrells. So they thought he
0: was you know, well, I heard well, was, how was heard- he the? How was he the problem? Honestly, he was here for five years before this year, and there were no concerns raised. So now this this team has one bad year, and they throw Stephen Sorrells overboard. He, he didn't go from being someone who's eminently worthy of being employed here uh, for that duration, and one that was quite successful when you look at the breadth of it to oh, everything's falling apart this year, let's get rid of them. To me, that was that was another example, uh, likely one that's less uh, mentioned than or mentioned not as often as Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss, but that's another example of scapegoating, as was Travis Moore. Travis Moore, too. But, you know, the receivers You're we gonna were You're going to find both- a better receivers, courts than Travis Moore. Good luck with that. Yeah. Honestly. So I think that's more – it was more the receivers –
1: Falling back than Travis Moore not coaching and he I think he had that unit they 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 respected him they rallied from we used to see him every every before every game eating dinner with the receivers at Memories you know he did all the, I think he did all the right things Kean Schaefer Baker he worked on Braden Linus he got all these guys could he have done anything with with a healthier Duke Williams I think it would have been a big difference if Duke didn't have an ankle sprain for the most of the season that would have made a bit of difference Justin McGinnis McKinnis I don't know. I don't know what his mm. future is. Yeah, kind of blast. You know, like I, Swerve if, came back. You know, missed half the season.
0: I don't. He was he the Swerve of old?
1: Mm, well, he didn't yeah. score a
0: touchdown, so I would I would argue no. No. The uh, the problem that Travis Moore faced was that none of the receivers that he was coaching were even re, were even remotely as good as Travis Moore was as a player.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Give Travis <laughs> Moore a couple of Travis Moores and yeah. everything's fine.
1: And but. one of the most personable guys in the league. Like really, like. As I said, we get we kept distance from the coaches, but he would come up, come by, just say hi, you know, say things a little thing little normal interactions that didn't that seem to don't happen a lot in football anymore because because of COVID and other things that are gone. Speaking of COVID, sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> just gonna have a little cough, folks.
0: <laughs> Murray's been ailing for a while. He should be. I was he should. healthy.
1: I was healed. Oh. And then the darn great cup hit and the in and out of cold weather. And I'm like, oh, I I, I'm You were get.
0: squeaking a bit during the great cup <laughs> game. I was worried that there, you had been <laughs> yeah. uh, afflicted once again. Um, but I, the thing is too, you bring in an offensive coordinator and then you kind of, you're basic, you basically have to wait to see who the offensive coordinator is going to coordinate. Because what really can they do to, re- to fix the offensive line until early in the new year, until there's free agency, uh, they can announce some signings of American players uh that might be tougher than normal due to the XFL and the USFL. Yes. As far as the quarterbacking situation, I don't think the quarterback that uh that can fix things here is going to shake free until February, and then we'll see what the free agency market uh uh allows the Rough Riders to do because there's Hamilton got the jump on the Bo by Mitchell sweepstakes by acquiring his negotiating rights. So they've they alone can talk to uh Bo levi Mitchell uh, through uh, through the, uh, until the free agency window begins. So until, until then, what really can the Rough Riders do except cross their fingers and hope and, and watch uh, a lot, monitor a lot of situations that are beyond their control. I think what happens with Nathan Rourke's going to influence the Rough Riders. What happens, uh, in, in BC, uh, what happens with the, with the Toronto Argonauts has been influence the Rough Riders. What if McLeod Bethel Thompson does come back? Then that's an interesting situation in, uh, in Toronto, because Chad Kelly has, has demonstrated that he can and should play. But if McLeod Bethel-Thompson decides to spend more time with his family, if Nathan Rourke goes to the National Football League, then Vernon Adams Jr. is presumably the starting quarterback in BC, not on the market. Chad, Chad Kelly is the Argo starting quarterback, not on the market. And it reduces the, the already shallow pool of quarterbacks that uh, could be available to the Rough Riders. So well, how do you fix it?
1: It took us 16 minutes till we mentioned Bo Levi-Mitchell officially in our podcast. He was well, I, I was kind of surprised about how well loved he was during Riderville with all the selfies and photos with Ryder fans. It looked like they were doing their own sort of uh, recruiting method to get Bo here. Now, is he coming here? I'd be shocked if he did. I think he, the tradition is once a guy gets, rights get traded, it's quite often they, sign, they sign with the team whose rights they have. But it was kind of, neat to see all the people sort of kind of rubbing shoulders with the bow in China because there's there's a big idea that he's very much disliked in Riderville and I I didn't see that as much I, I don't know how the great cups are loving you're not going to get in any fights or arguments or anything with with people at a great cup but both seemed to be attracting a fair bit of attention when he's around and then regardless boy he's the next stop for ctsN I think he just seemed to have the the the, pair, the he had everything he had the analysis he had the the fun he had fun with it. He seemed to have the in depth knowledge, and boy, he could probably be the next guy up for TSN on on their football analysis. Didn't yeah, you but think, if Rob? he's
0: not the next guy up for the Rough Riders, and he, and he by by no means is he a sure thing at this. I mean, there's a reason, presumably, that Calgary didn't uh, uh, start him for the la- last half of the year. But yeah. I think he's the the best of the options available. Um, Trevor Harris is a little intriguing, though. Like he's a free Mm -hmm. agent in in February if he doesn't re-sign with Montreal, and he had a pretty solid year and has a pretty solid resume of of the quarterbacks who are remaining after Bo Levi Mitchell. I think Trevor Harris would be the best candidate, but I think there's a lot of teams that could be in in the market for him. Thirty-six. He turns thirty-seven next year, but who else is there? You know, that's the bottom line. Is you know they in in two thousand and seventeen, their best option turned out to be a a thirty-eight-year-old Kevin Glenn, and that worked out pretty well. There's not even, I'm not, you know, that. I think the rough Riders would be very happy if they could somehow uh, use the open market to bring in uh, someone who can give them what Kevin Glenn gave them in 2017, which was 25 touchdown passes, a huge leader. And, and it's, it's someone who helped the team finish 10 and eight and get to the playoffs. And uh, after, after a couple of bad years in a row, two and a half bad years in a row. So I'm not even sure there's a Kevin Glenn out there or there will be a Kevin Glenn out there. Um, I don't know if Montreal is going to be, I think Montreal would want to hang on to him. Well, you would think so because if, if you don't, if you don't retain Trevor Harris, then you're in the same boat as a number of teams across the league. Right. And so why wouldn't you keep what you've got? Is Trevor Harris going to end up in the Canadian football hall of fame? No. Is he better than pretty much anybody who's, who could or will enter the market? Yes. And, and when then once you look past that, you know, it's, Dane Evans, is that gonna get people excited around here? Uh you know, that's that's suddenly, you know, Vernon Adams Jr., if if Nathan Work surprisingly ends up in BC, um, it's there's just not a great hi candy, not a great crop <laughs> crop of quarterbacks, period. But if you, suddenly if you don't get Trevor Harris uh or Boney by Mitchell, then you are really Boy. uh really crossing your fingers.
1: I, I as I said, I don't think they're gonna go back to Cody Fajardo. I think that'd they be can. Almost- be almost as surprising as Bo Levi Mitchell signing here, but that you touched upon that though. What do they got else? What else do they have? What else is out there? Yeah. And I don't think Cody creates any, but I think Cody creates probably more of a negative feeling about you're just you're doing with what you got to go with. You're not doing anything to pro, to progress. I mean, it would
0: be embarrassing for the Rough Riders to to, to bring back Cody Fajardo after they benched him for for two games left and right yeah. before a game that they had to win to maintain whatever chance they had of making the playoffs and he has that to earth, want to yeah and the, and why would Cody want to come back here after yeah. they embarrassed him and humiliated him scapegoated him i've been using that word a lot but it just that's what they did to people in terms of Jason Moss in terms of the offensive co- coaching staff in terms of of uh of um Cody Fajardo and so um why would he come back here? They, they've said the polite things about how he's—you know—they're not ruling it out, or however it was phrased. Yeah. But I mean, Cody Fajardo's not coming back here. They—they—they they, they, they just there's just no feasible way that that, that proceeds after what happened. Uh, with two games left in the regular season, that's—they actions speak more loudly than words, and we saw what their actions were. One of the the most
1: uh, asked questions I had during the Rideville, it wasn't do you want another beer, it was. How did Craig Dickinson keep his job? People are still wondering how you know why he was brought back as a head coach, considering everything had gone on and stuff and you and I both feel that you know two out of three years is pretty good. You don't get dump a guy for one bad season. He had some issues. It wasn't his fault that the offensive line was horrible. He had to just had to somehow coach it. The receiver was a pedestrian. the defense after that July eighth game against Ottawa, the defense kind of went all the way downhill from that losing Marino and the Llineer. And those guys, so, you
0: know. And Pete Robertson got injured in the like, July 8th game against Ottawa, too. Do you put all that blame? And then A.C. Leonard got hurt. It was, yeah. he was just, he was playing. Was a as, horrible as a, as a they're they're so.
1: trying to spin it now. I've heard more people are talking about the touchdown Atlantic as being the turning point. And for, for the life of me, it'll always be, it'll always be that July 8th game. And I know that there's a whole lot of football season left before that, after that game. But boy, that game just seemed decimated, decimated the riders and set a whole lot of tones.
0: A whole although, lot of things. Although after that the Rough Fighters were leading Toronto and then there was the pick six uh, right. by Winton McManus. Yeah. The Jazz fan of me wants to say Winton Marcellus. <laughs> but um uh, so they had, the, had they had they won touchdown Atlantic, uh they're in you know so I mean they're five and one instead of four and one. Yeah, but how uh, many games
1: could we say if they'd won this game, they this, this and this, if they'd beaten the
0: Edmonton Elks, if they'd beaten the Tigers. Oh, sure. <laughs> but I mean they, they were leading that game and they, they gave away the lead. Yeah, it was a bad uh, so pass fight. It's it's not like it's not like the Rough Riders were playing. You know, were were just trounced in touchdown Atlantic. That was a game they were well positioned to win, and true to form, they they did not. So, you know, the, I mean, the that we've talked about the pool of quarterbacks, but just as important and perhaps more importantly, offensive line. How do you rebuild that? Who did do you, you even bring back from that group? Dan Clark. You know, I think I think Dan Logan Clark Furland. is healthy, uh, and Logan Furl and that's that's about it. Evan Johnson's it, got to a whole lot of stuff, and I there's, you cannot bring the tackles back. No, and you need and you need depth. Yeah, so aside Logan from that, Bandy. it's an area of strength.
1: <laughs> Logan <laughs> Bandy can come back. I think he's he can be signed.
0: Yeah, but you know you don't start up. Logan Bandy. Yeah. I mean, he did a you know he he really that's helped them show. out in a pinch, but that was they were starting him way ahead of other what the timetable yeah. would have dictated. It just they, I mean, they're going to have the third overall pick in the draft, so they obviously pick an offensive lineman there. I don't think they yeah. need another Canadian receiver not to play. So they don't um, even have guys they can trade to pick up off other offensive linemen either. And, and team- the thing is, too, if an team's got a good offensive lineman, they're going to keep them.
1: Yeah, no one's going to trade. Right? Right? I
0: <laughs> mean, so you've got you, and I'm not sure free agency is going to be the uh, the solution there by and large because then there you you incur some cap issues. What they've got to do is, well, they've got to draft well Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, they've got to go out and find uh, via basic player recruitment, a pair of tackles principally. That means American players. And that that's Jeremy O'Day. That's Paul Jones. That's Kyle Carson. They've got a, the player personnel Mm -hmm. side of this organization has got to find two tackles that aren't, uh, don't leave us talking about uh, Andrew Lauderdale. In yeah. retrospect, don't leave us talking about the Ty Rogers. In retrospect,
1: and it's funny when you when you see the names of the tackles that sign you you read their backgrounds. It doesn't really prove anything until they get on the field, because no matter how, how how you know deep their resume goes and how astounding it looks, they still got to play to the Canadian game. And some of them just may never adapt. So no, just, but I mean, it, yeah.
0: once upon a t- you know, there are there are tackles who can come well, here. Every and do team that. has two. <laughs> once upon a time, somebody found found Stanley Bryant. In fact, yeah. he almost ended up here. Once upon a time, so uh, they've got to they've got to, they've got to rectify the tackle situation. Uh, I think their interior linemen they can they could probably get by with with uh, a majority of what they have, but they've got to address the depth and they've got to address the tackles because otherwise it's going to be open season on the quarterback again. And then it won't matter if the quarterback is Bo Levi Mitchell you know, or Bo Horvat. They're, they're, they're going <laughs> to, <laughs> you'll probably get the same production if there isn't an offensive line. Yeah.
1: That's very true. What about the defense, Rob? Should we, we we keep talking about offense? offensive line receivers. We talk about how the drop off and play after that Ottawa game due to injuries. A lot, a lot of it was due to injuries. Some of it was due to performances. By certain players like Nick Marshall, I think is a free agent. Mike Getum is one of them. You know they got some pretty big names coming out. there. Like Darnell Sankey, yeah. you know some of these bitty big names are going to be out there in defense, and they're going to it's going to cost money to bring them back. And do they have oh, that kind well, of? They're going
0: to they're going to need to get a they're going going to need to get a pass rush that is reminiscent of what they had early this season. Yeah. And then AC Leonard, uh, now he was playing hurt, but um, they didn't get two hundred thousand dollars worth of production of AC Leonard. Uh, you know, a healthy Pete Robertson for an entire year would, I think would be beneficial. A healthy Anthony Lanier II for an entire year yeah. would be hugely beneficial. Uh, they need to get the kind of push that they had earlier in the year. Early in the year, they were as, as porous as the offensive line was revealed to be pretty much from the outset. The Rough Riders were able to exert more pressure than, than was applied on them. And then mm-hmm. as soon as that balance shifted, the elevator cable snapped. So they they showed last season that they can find and can uh, find a good def, a good defensive lineman and they can exert pressure. Injuries played a role, um, uh, lack of discipline played a role, but uh, uh, the defensive line's got to be an area is got to be a priority, and they've got to find some defensive backs who can actually intercept a pass. <laughs> what do they have aside, aside from aside from Nick Marshall and Jared uh, <laughs> you know, but but he's not, you know, he's. In, technically a linebacker. So aside from Nick Marshall, uh, Roland Milligan had one pick and Mike Edom had one pick and that was on a Hail Mary in week two in Edmonton. So there's just no ball hawking in that secondary aside from Nick Marshall and say what you want about Nick Marshall and occasionally he gets beat over the top, but he will also make the other team uh, pay uh, for throwing in his vicinity from time to time. They need some defensive backs who can actually make an interception, actually make plays on the ball because, by and large, they didn't have that. Part of that is influenced by the defensive line and the lack of pressure yeah. as the season evolved, and that makes it, it exacerbates the challenges facing the uh, the defensive backs. But they need somebody out there who reminds me of Steve Dennis. Just wanted yeah. to throw that name out there. I always well, like Steve it. Dennis. So
1: Well, even Ed Gainey.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, say <laughs> you know, what you want guy. about. A lot of people were picking Ed Gainey apart in his Lucia's latter pure. years in terms of the critics, but Ed Gainey was a was a good defensive back here, a very good defensive back here. One day will be in the Plaza of Honor, I would think. And awesome. uh, and uh, there was Purifoy. nobody. The, Lucias classic. Thank you for mentioning that. I mean, yeah. Lucia's, A lot was made about uh, various other areas of the team, but uh, you know, Lucia's Purifoy ends up having an all-star season after leaving Saskatchewan and they didn't have anybody who gave them what Lucius Purifoy no, gave them not uh, that in vers- previous years.
1: Not that versatility and everything and just the leadership from his funny little thing with the uh, the it doll to uh, everything he was on the field, everything he was on the field with the, with the Lions and good for Lucius, he's the type of player kinda, you kind know, of we want to see him do well because he works so hard and he has that versatility that you don't really see as much anymore and that was a big loss, can they bring him back? I'm not quite sure, if, but I think I've looked at some. I, I'm assuming just what everybody's under one-year deals. I think it's more of a rarity that people, the rookies and stuff. So there's going to be a lot of free agents available at other positions. I just wonder how many free agents will be available at offensive line, which was the off, which was the issue heading into 2022. There weren't a lot of great offensive linemen to, to bolster your team after you spent your money on Duke Williams. And you they, spent they with-
0: can't fix the entire offensive line via free agency because cutting the cap will be an issue. They've got to yeah. find. And develop some players, some sixty-five thousand-year uh, yeah. guys, some is, guys who are closer to the minimum wage. That's yeah. the reality of the Canadian Football League, especially if you look at what are you going to, what are they going to have to pay for a quarterback in a year where, yeah. where uh, uh, there's a lot more demand than there is supply. So you might, you're probably going to end up overpaying for your quarterback, whoever that may be. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Great Cup for a bit. Um well, I believe the Argonauts won twenty-four twenty-three.
1: Did they? And probably the most. Uh pretty
0: boring three quarters. Yeah, no, know, well, the Janarian grant kick off yeah, punt return with, kind, it, kind started, of kind of electrified fire, the that, game. Yeah, and then it hurt. uh it was a it was a very captivating uh spectacle two after block that.
1: punts, you know, two, blocked, two, two block two field, field, goals. field goals and stuff, all in the last few minutes of the game, and it's just
0: When was the it, last time before that we even saw a blocked field goal attempt at Mosaic Stadium? I'm trying to remember. I'm I think there were two, two all year during the regular season period, yeah. and then Two on back-to-back um, plays. And you and I both
1: leaned pretty heavily towards the Bombers winning that. But I was I kept telling people, there was a difference between the teams, but it was about this much difference. It wasn't this margin of a difference. But the Bombers had the edge in almost every category. And then here come the Argos, who I thought was funny. I don't remember who made the quote, but I think it was Hinak Mwamba mentioned they were battling on the sidelines they had all sorts of controversies at internal strife. remember pinball clements had to come down from the gm's box to separate some i think it was brandon banks or something like that and all of a sudden boom they're the team that their quarterback the, the guy we all talked to we didn't we couldn't understand because we didn't see what happened to bethel Beth, mcleod thompson when he got when he hit his thumb i didn't see that part but we always just thought it was because he wasn't doing that well and boom Chad Kelly comes in and lights them up and throws another name into the quarterback pile. But boy, got to give the Argos credit. They, their defense, their defensive line was just, you know, and I, I'm not saying that Winnipeg's defensive line struggle, but they just, you, know, no, you they struggled. seem to have, they struggle. They have so much more you know, pressure. They, Winnipeg, uh,
0: Toronto had five, four sacks and there yeah. was a fifth that was called back due to face masking. And, and, uh, Corey Mace did a terrific job for the, yeah, Corey Mace makes- had a better game than Buck Pierce did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. If you are looking at coaching nuts and bolts, uh, that was certainly apparent. I don't know why uh, the quarterback Prukop was throwing a long pass when your when your starting quarterback has just been named the league's most outstanding player for the second uh, year in a row. I didn't understand a, the Prukop use. I didn't. Get I didn't that. get that either. I just uh, there's a there's a time to be cute, but that's week four of the regular season or in the preseason. It's not in the Great Cup and uh, uh, they the 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 bombers. Played like a team that just didn't seem to uh, appreciate <laughs> where they were. They Brady Oliveira did. Brady they Olavere. were. They were. They were. In terms of, they're in a Grey Cup, and 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 this is just, just no. It's no time for gadgetry when you're playing a, a team with with a defense like Toronto that was playing like it did that day. Yeah. Uh, you you if you're going to throw the ball deep, you do it with your best guy. You don't do it with Dakota pre, Dakota Prukop, and uh, and. Uh, uh, that's the Grey Cup. isn't a, isn't a time for that. That especially the fourth quarter of a Grey Cup game. You just you just dispense with that. They got a little too cute at a time when the, they think they should have uh, the magnitude of the situation should have precluded them doing what they did. And Toronto was able to play free and easy because nobody expected them to win. So there we have it. The fourth Regina-based Grey Cup game is is complete. Uh, I think in terms of the quality of the game, the best great cup by people who remember 2013 which is pretty much everybody uh may disagree but in terms of a, a game that went down to the wire that's the that's the first one in first great cup in regina that did so uh the best ending of a of a regina based great cup and uh speaking of endings we are done uh for how long we don't know we will return as uh events and circumstances dictate with the rough riders so i would think within a couple of weeks we'll, we will reconvene for a uh, offensive coordinator oriented edition of Rider Rumblings. I'd like to offer some thanks first of all and principally to Murray McCormick for <laughs> all the help uh he's provided and insight he's provided this year. We had numerous special guests. I would like to to thank them all as well, including Jeff Fairholm twice, uh yeah. Britt Dort, uh Daryl Davis, uh Jeff DeDecker. Um we had we were very, very lucky to have uh, to have some terrific uh, guests this year. Um, to our producers, Austin Davis and Creed and Martell, thank you so much for putting up with our, uh, fuzzy appearances, occasionally fuzzy, uh, uh, audio and, uh, getting this out to the, to the public. And of course, uh, oh, well, uh Craig Reynolds was also a, a guest. I'd like to, to thank him. We had Jeremy O'Day on during the off season and, um, principally i'd like to thank I like to thank everybody who spent this time with us during the year. We really appreciate uh, the time that uh rough rider fans and c f l fans invested in the feedback we've received and we really enjoy doing this and we look forward to doing it again uh until we're both ninety eight years old i'm going to echo n-
1: my thoughts to the fans and the people who listen to us it's uh as i said we think we kind of live in a rider rumblings bubble we don't we realize people are out there listening to us and it was Nice to hear you appreciate and put up with our dog jokes and dog pictures and dog stories and dog dog everything else dominated by the dog, but thank you to everybody. And uh, thanks to you, Rob. It's been a fun season and
0: here we go. 2023 is here. Bring it on. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Rob Vanstone, Murray is uh, Murray, at Murray LP. (laughs) Again, my thanks, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you uh, soon. Hopefully, there'll be a little less chin next time we we do that. Take care, and uh, enjoy this wonderful winter of ours.